Hey, you guys, it's Strange D, a.k.a. Data, and this is um, Strange Black Media. This is podcast number two for black media, specifically for LGBTQ and black women. Um, I have two guests here. Um, I, I feel like I know them pretty well because we, we're really good friends on Twitter, and, you know, we tweet each other, and I see, you know, what they're doing and stuff. So I have two um, black British people. Um, we have Marcus, and then we have Kyle. If you guys will, um, Kyle, if you'll start off by um, oh. by saying you know, where you're from and your um, ethnic background. Okay, so I'm from London, born and raised. <laughs> um, my background is black. Oh, well, I would say I'm black, but I have mixed heritage, like with white and Indian. Native American, but yeah, um, but I'm black. I classify myself as black. I am a black man. So and you are Jamaican, right? And Jamaican, yeah. Okay, and Marcus. Hello, I'm Marcus. I live uh, in London. Uh, I would classify myself as a mixed black man. I have a mother who comes from Barbados and a white English father. Okay, and when you say your mother comes from Barbados, she was born in Barbados and then came here, or was she raised in the UK and born from Barbados? My my, my mother, she she was born in Barbados. Uh, She spent the first 21 years of her life there. Uh, Like many women from the Caribbean, uh, she came over to the UK to do nursing and staff our our NHS, National Health Service. Okay. Um, the reason why I felt the need to have a conversation with, you know, some black British people is because I um Samuel L. Jackson did a interview in which I, w- I don't want to say he even criticized black British people, but it was more of a critique, I felt, you know, where he felt that there were some roles that he felt that um Americans would do a better job playing over British people because we have noticed there has been a trend of black Brits playing um, um, American characters. The latest being the gentleman who played um, Get Out, the black man from Get Out. And a lot of black people agreed with what he was saying in America, but some didn't because some was like, well, you had Will Smith, he played the the um, Nigerian man, and you've had um, Jennifer Hudson, she played Winnie Mandela in a um, Nelson Mandela movie. So not all Americans, you know, agree with what he said, but I did notice that there was a strong response from um, Black British people who really felt like. He, that he was specifically tearing down black Brits and he was being negative towards black Brits. Why do you, why do you um Kyle think that black Brits had that strong uh, that strong of a response about what Samuel L. Jackson said? Personally for me, like I don't know much about it, but from what I've seen, it's um certain black Americans always come in for black british saying that oh you haven't experienced what we experienced so you're not you don't you don't know what it's like does that make sense and yes 
I don't understand it. Like, you know, because I'm reading certain parts. Like, I, sometimes I just stray away from this stuff because I'm like, I don't give a shit. It's just boring. Why are you arguing about who's... It's, it's like, you're not black enough. Does that make sense? That's, what, that's how I see it. Like, oh, that's how I saw the British black people's point of view. I saw it like, oh, you're, cl- you're classing us like we're not black enough because we haven't experienced what you experience in America. We won't experience what you experience because we don't live there. So... I wanted to address that specifically because I have seen the notion that we're trying to say that you guys are not black enough, but my thing is, even though we're all black, there are different experiences. You can't say that your experience in London is the same as ours in um america i don't think he was criticizing your blackness per se but there is a difference of experiences across diaspora you know we won't understand black people in brazil and you guys will understand you know everything in america but i don't feel like it was a i don't think it was an attack on you guys' blackness but i did see that a lot of you guys did feel that way and that's See, I don't think it was because of that. I think it was more of the reaction that he got from Americans, with Americans putting their two pence in, if that made sense. And then it was a, you know how social media is, like people only see one thing and then they go for that. But that's my thing. That's, I don't really know about that. Marcus. <laughs> Marcus, yes. Well, well my takeaway from that is, is, first of all, is... You know, they are actors. They are acting. <laughs> mm. um, so, you know, I think a lot of black uh, British actors, in particular, have gone through that classical training. They've come from theatre, and I think that's what many American casting directors uh, find attractive. Is I'm not saying that doesn't happen in the US, but it tends to be yeah they come from that kind of tradition, and and I think casting directors are, are attracted by that. I think for Samuel said that you know if you're a black American you're more you're more likely to you know bring something extra to that part you know I'm I'm not convinced by that um, to be honest um and I think as you pointed out we have had African American actors playing other roles in particular uh you know as you mentioned uh Winnie Mandela and we had um uh, Will Smith uh, playing uh, was, he, was he Nigerian and you know people were criticizing the fact that his accent was appalling you know and it's, you know was he the right person for you know for for that role mm. if if he can't even carry off um, uh, you know the, the right accent and, and sound correct and it's kind of like I, I can see that point of view is that we as British people have, you know, sat through films where there's American in the role and you're thinking, well, hmm, you know, the accent's wrong, you know, it's, it's completely... Um, but, you know, I, I can understand, you know, the kind of nuances. I mean, you know, if you're watching a film, I think sometimes in the diaspora, we see a lot of black American culture, yeah? And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we think we know black American culture more than we actually do because we're so exposed to it, yeah? And, I've, you know, I could probably kind of see where 
Samuels um, com- coming from in a way. But what he did also say was that he kind of insinuated. He said, "Oh yeah, in Britain, they've had interracial relationships for for you know decades or whatever." He's kind of insinuating that we don't go through the same pain. Now, as you mentioned, there's nuances. The experiences are different, but. To say, you know, black people in the UK don't go through the same pain that they can bring to a role, I think that's that's a little bit kind of off for me. He's kind of saying that, oh, you know, over there, oh, yes, you know, the, those intellectual relationships, everything's fine. You know, that was kind of the undertone that I got from that comment, which and I, I found that quite annoying. I, I think the acting side, yeah, may, maybe he, he has a point. I think, you know, he's you know, when I watched Selma, and, and uh, to be honest, I did I wasn't completely convinced by, you know, the, the role of the I can't forgot his name. Sorry, um, guy playing the uh, you know Martin Luther King in that. I was kind of hmm, <laughs> yeah. And maybe as Americans, you can spot nuances. You know, you can say, well, well, that that accent isn't right, or they would never do that. But we wouldn't spot. So from that point mm. of view, yeah, maybe. The whole kind of downplaying what we go through in the UK, not so much. Um, I did want to um, expand on one point that you did mention, Marcus. You did mention that a lot of black Brits do have that classical training, mm. um, which has some, you know, some prestige to it. But I feel like a lot of that of, you know, Americans preferring that over, you know, us in America, I feel like a lot of that has to do with classism because not a lot of African-Americans have access to that classical theater training that um that you guys can have. So I feel like, and there's been studies on this, but a lot of times when black people do come from um, other countries, they are kind of, seen as better black people than black Americans who've already been here. Do you have any um you know thoughts on that? And how does how there's some classism to that? Right. Because you know Class- we don't have the um we don't have the access to a lot of the um prestigious theater training that you that black Brits do have access to. Yeah, I I think class is a very interesting question and I don't think we talk about it enough as black people in the UK, okay? Now, um, if, if you look at the actors coming up, you will probably notice that, that they are uh, mainly of African descent, yeah? As in, mm-hmm. you know, their parents are from an African country, Nigeria or, or Ghana. Um, what you're not seeing is working class black Caribbean people coming up, right? What you're, if you look into the backgrounds, I mean, I, I couldn't stake my life on it, but if you read into the backgrounds of most of those actors, you'll probably see that they are probably from reasonably well-off families. I think there's a couple that have came up, um, you know, from working-class families. But there is kind of a subtle difference, I think Cal could probably jump in here, between, you know, uh, black Caribbean people who, a lot of the time, uh, working class. Uh, you know, since oh, the influx okay. in the sixties, we have had, um, you know, higher influxes of people, you know, from African countries, Nigeria, Somalia, and so on. Some are definitely, but it, it's definitely changed the kind of, I think the, 
you know, the discussion about class, because um, I think that is an interesting point, is that, yeah, a lot of actors, in the, especially in the US, black Americans do not have the resources to go to, you know, to classical training or whatever. A lot of British people don't either. A lot of black Caribbean kids don't either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look at those people, uh, you will, yeah, you won't find many working class black Caribbean kids. I mean, what do you think about that, Cal? You know, before Cal mentions um, Jess Chimes in, just so I, I'm understanding, more African black British people are tend to be more affluent than black Caribbeans. Uh, what? Sorry. Um. So are black Afri- are black British Africans? Do, do they tend to be have a higher class or be more affluent than black Caribbeans? Um, I. Oh, I don't even know. Um. Yes. I think it's like it's weird for like for me when I see it's weird for me when I see Caribbeans and Africans is like the Africans. I'm not saying it's weird. I don't. I, I quite. I don't want to say this because it's basically it's really personal to me, and I don't mean like personal. Like it's. I don't want to say it. From what I see, I see African parents pushed their children more than Jamaican parents when I was growing up. This is when I was growing up. But I don't know it because it's weird because there's a lot of successful Caribbean people, but it's not in the stuff like um, the arts. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's true. So, but like with African parents, I know for a fact because my friend was really, really good with um, acting. Her parents did not want her to be an actor. They was like, no, you're going to be an accountant or a doctor. So it was like, she's now an accountant or a trainee accountant. It's, does that make sense? Like, you, they listen to their parents. Is not, they listen to more, like, us lot, we're free to do what we're allowed to do, we want to do, if that makes sense. But it's more of a thing, like, we're going to do it for, not do it for money, but, like, for career-based but with an African descendant British person, they're doing it because their families have told them, no, you're not doing that. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. So, I, because I think this, ugh, you can go, Marcus, because I really yeah, don't. I to back that up, Kyle, um, mm. if you look at the stats for GCSE results, you will find that black African um, pupils do better than white pupils, mm. right? Uh, black Caribbean pupils do worse than white pupils. So it kind of, maybe it's not backing up what you're saying, but there is a discussion there around, you know, I'm not even, you know, the discussion around, yeah, your parents are, you know, their kind of attitude, you say, towards your education and towards your career and what you're going to do with your life. Uh, but also there is a discussion around class is that, you know, a lot of people arrived from the Caribbean and they were here to clean up after the war. So what wanted was bus drivers and cleaners 
And, you know, I think at one time nursing was quite middle class, but, you know, there were a lot, lot of nurses and, um, you know, those are the people that, that came over from the Caribbean. Uh, you know, without getting Googling stats, I couldn't swear on my life, you know, about different African countries. But, you know, a lot of people from Africa have come from adversity. We have a lot of um, you know, people that came that were refugees or asylum seekers and so on. But on the other hand, there are a lot of, you know, wealthy African uh, families as well. So without, you know, getting all the stats out, it's hard to quantify. But yeah. I, think, I think Kyle's right. I think there is a bit of a... Um, a bit of a subtle difference there. Um, yeah, we're more relaxed and I don't understand it. Like with parents, like, okay, my grandparents with my mother is weird because, okay, like my uncle was born in Jamaica, like my mum's brother was born in Jamaica. His mm. mentality was like read, 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 like yeah. study, 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 study. But the kids over here, like my, the lot, the three kids that were over here, like my uncle and my mum and my aunt, they were more relaxed. They were spoiled, if that makes sense. Mm. Okay. So, but now it's like my uncle, like the oldest uncle, he, when he came over here, his mentality was be the best, 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 instead of them not be like, okay, cool. I want to do this. No, actually, I want to try that. Oh, oh. Actually, that's an interest. Let me try this. Does that make sense? So, and that's that for my mum. My mum tried a lot of stuff. And now she's, like, for the last 25 years, like, when I was, like, two, three, that's when she started to get her career on point, if that makes sense. Yeah. So she was in her 20s. So, and, then, and I'm doing that now. Like, I'm 27, and I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, for career-wise, it's creative. There's creative side to me that I don't want to lose because I can't, I can't, there's like a choice. But then with certain, I would say like with uh, African children, you don't have a choice. They're like, no, you better do this because you're putting money back into the family. Or, you know? So, there's, I'm not saying all of them. This is from my experience. Like, as I said, my friends that I grew up with in school, they were... They weren't allowed to do the acting. They wasn't allowed to do the, the media. They wasn't allowed to do the um, the dancing. And they were really good at it. Very good. So, but then, but then there was me who liked doing it and I was good at it. And my mum was like, oh, do what, you, do what you're doing. Like, it's... Yeah, I, I think it is probably... There's probably a slight difference in attitudes between newly arrived migrants and let's face it, a lot of people, uh, you know, came from Nigeria or Ghana or, or wherever, and they had qualifications that were recognised there, but weren't here, and they had mm. to work way up again. So they're pushing to their children. You've got to work hard. And I think, you know, for my mum, you know, she basically, you know, at one point she said to me, "If your exam results don't pick up, you know, you will go to an interview. You will have poor exam results. You will have a black face. Um, you know, <laughs> this is not going to be good for you." And you know, mm. she. Really, really, if we our exam results weren't good, you know, she would go ballistic, right? So, uh, so I'm not sure if, if you know, people have become more relaxed over the generations because we've seen black people out there doing great things. But for her, I think for newly arrived migrants, it's a real concern about where where are your children going to fit into this world. So, so maybe there's a little bit of that is when you're in a more established community, 
that you were a little bit, as you say, your parents are a bit more relaxed. Oh, yeah, you go and do what you want to do. But, mm. um, you know, I, I think in my parents, if I said to my parents, so, you know, I want to become an actor, I'm sure, you know, I probably would, would have supported it. I've never known what I wanted to do. And, but, um, um, yeah, I think there's probably that whole children of recent migrants thing. I think it's probably a slightly different dynamic uh, than for you. Are your parents British-born, Kyle? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's a slight. I think there's a difference there. Yeah, I, I don't know what my dad does. So I don't talk to him. So yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, but it's just that's from my mother's side, like how, what I yeah. see, and I can pinpoint that because it's very clear. When you ask me, I can see it. But you yeah. know, when you grew up with it, you're like, eh. it doesn't. It doesn't look like anything. So yeah. yeah. So I definitely wanted to um, ask you guys because propaganda is very important. Um, African Americans, I feel like a lot of people do have their idea of what is it is to be a a Black American, but since we don't really get like a lot of you know Black British um, content or a lot of you know imports from you guys i can't really tell you what it is to be a black brick but i did want to ask you guys what do you guys think it is to be a what are, what, what are your honest opinions on um black americans do you want to go first marcus <laughs> yeah my honest opinion on, on black americans is you know i i have black american you know relatives that have uh, either moved there or, or, or live there, so I'm, I'm related to to, uh, to Black Americans. I, I think sometimes we um, we hear so much about the US, uh, you know, through music, through films. As you're saying, you hear less about us. But I think sometimes because we are exposed to your media so much and we've consumed it, you know, we have um, taken it on board, you know, we've whitewashed it, you know, <laughs> you know, mm. I, I, I remember reading an article about, oh yes, the best of British soul and there were no black people in it. And they were all singing, you know, soul music, which comes straight from America. And you kind of, yeah, we've, we've kind of taken the culture. It's, do we fully understand what it is to be a, a black American? You know, I think sometimes we think we know more than we think we do. You, know, you get what I'm saying? It's it's like, you know, everyone talks about, oh, yeah, African-American culture. And it's like, well, no, there's different cultures, isn't there? You have, you know, different, if you're from the South or if you're from a city, it's kind of different. And I think we kind of forget, we don't really get the nuances. We get like a packaged version of the music, you know, et cetera. And it's kind of, you know, it's sometimes, but... When I meet Black Americans, you, you know, it's kind of it's cool. You know, I, I went to New York last year, and I met. I said, you know, I met four different guys, Black Black American guys off Twitter, and I was, you know, we had lunch, we talked about things. It's kind of, I think sometimes we forget that we have more in common than we realize. Yeah, uh, but I also think some we need to probably learn a bit more about each other and learn more about each other than we actually know at the moment because i think yeah because your culture is just so out there and it's it's basically taking over the world isn't it it's everywhere you go mm -hmm. it's kind of we kind of think well actually you probably need to take a step back and learn more a bit more about you and not make make assumptions 
Yeah. I also I sometimes think there is a little confusion about um, ethnicity. Okay, so for us, you know, we're you know we're black or we're mixed black, and you know that is our race, and we have an ethnicity which is we look, you know, we're Caribbean or you know, or you you, you state your nationality. I'm I'm Nigerian. Or mm. even even, you're, even if you're Nigerian, you might say I'm you you know I'm Yoruba, yeah. So you have these ethnicities which we kind of, even though you know we're British and we're born here, we go well yeah we're Afro Caribbean, you know we we'll go to carnival, you know I st- we still enjoy eating the food etc. We have this we have this extra ethnicity. Whereas I think in America, I think being a Black American is more ethnicity, and you don't have that. Or let you know your parents' country to look back to. You're in your country, you know. Mm-hmm. You've experienced great oppression in your country, um, and you're still there. You're still there surviving. Whereas we have that kind of intermediate step between a lot of us do. I think it'll become, you know, less prevalent as we, you know, there's a program on TV recently, and there was a fifth generation black person. Yeah. So, and she has no concept of being. Caribbean, um, she was just British. So I think that will probably come in time. Um, but I think now, I, I, I wanted to st- stop you mm. because you. Um, I want to hit a negative too. Like I know that you all hear negative things about African Americans too. So I want you to. I'm gonna let you finish, Marcus. But also for Kyle, I want to hear the negative stereotypes as well when it comes to African-Americans, not just the positive. Right. So if I would say the, the, the negative stereotype I would hear on, you know, is on social media in particular, is that sometimes you get the impression that black Americans feel that they are the diaspora. <laughs> sometimes That's the impression you get is that, you know, if you look at how many people were shipped across the Atlantic to South America, to Central America, to the Caribbean islands. I think sometimes you kind of get this impression that, whether it's a true impression, is that if you're, you know, some black Americans think, yeah, this only happened to, and I think that goes back to like Samuel Jackson's comment is that, yeah, you know, we had it really, really bad. And of course you had it bad, but, you know, as, as I've said, you know, those slave codes that were imported into the States, they were exactly the same in Barbados, for example. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, you know, it, it is a different suffering because you are living in a country which oppresses you, but that is your country. You have nowhere else to look to. Um, but I don't think, you know, it's useful to think, oh, yeah, you know, this is the black desperate experience. There are, you know, there are literally, you know, for every country, you know, there are different groups in different countries having a, not the same, but a similar experience. And I think sometimes we can get the impression over here that, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it all happened to African-Americans um, and nobody else really, really suffered. And I think when you read about what happened in America, yeah, you can make a case and say, oh my God, you guys did really suffer. But when you read your own history, which we rarely hear about, by the way, 
and you read about the horrific suffering that went on in the Caribbean, you're like, well, this looks pretty similar to me. Mm. Uh, just keep sight of the fact that, yeah, <clears throat> there is a diaspora. There's a lot of experiences out there. It's not all about the African-American experience. So that is probably the negative stereotype I've seen, especially going on in social media is, yeah, that kind of, yeah, cultural hegemony in a way is kind of, yeah, it's all about America. Whereas, you know. What about, what about ghetto? You ever, have you heard that? Ghetto? Yeah. So like me, yeah. like I do that. I do. See, I was going to say that for the negative because growing up as a kid, everything that I saw from America was like rap music and the black films and it was everything that was ghetto but it was like a like you saw the funny side to it all the time so you know like Friday like Menace to Society, Boys in the Hood like all of those films growing up I thought oh my god that's how the black culture is. Like, oh my God, like you, you know, like when you talk about, like, oh my God, it's beach. She said to my toe and I was like, beat, like, you know, like, I used to do that, like, I used to like that. And then I was like, no, 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 you can't be doing that. So growing up, I was like, like for instance, the N-word, I do not say the N-word, but you not say it so much, like even in your music, like when you're talking like, yo, what's up, man? And I'm like, you look just calm down. Like, I don't like it because I remember one time I copied is what is it Friday next Friday whatever it is and they kept on saying the n-word in it and I kept on doing it like please and all the stuff like that and my mum boxed me in my mouth and she's like <laughs> what are you doing so I was like they say it on I was like they say it in music and they say it on films so she's like oh so you see people jumping off bridges and stuff on films and so are you gonna do it so I was like no she's like okay cool here's another here's another point if a white person's, because in school, I boxed, I beat up a white boy for saying the N-word. So she's like, okay, remember last year or like two years before that, blah, blah, blah. You, you beat up Craig. Why did you beat up Craig? Because he said the N-word. So she's like, why is it fine for you to say the N-word? So there was that, does that make sense? My mum taught me from a young age, like, uh-uh. That's a negative that they have. Or like, as America, they have that negative Thing. like they they put each other down without realizing they're putting each other down and for us from coming from the caribbean we don't say that yeah I, I'm, I'm the same is that you know it is not in our vernacular to throw the n-word about at all I, I think i've heard younger kids in london say it in that kind of context a reclaiming context mm. and, and you know i'm fine with that you know i, I reclaim you know if you're part of a minority, you know, reclaim the word. I mean, if you're LGBT, you know, we reclaim words, don't we, and have a laugh about it. But, yeah, I kind of get... Well, then not with the N-word, because it's, like, very... There's a history to it. There's a power behind that as well. That's like when... Like, I had a... My manager's white, and she says... She puts things, like... She can work things very well. So, when I said I don't like it because of what's behind it, the power and everything, she agreed with me because she's like, yeah, it doesn't, like me saying to her white cracker or you white pillowcase wouldn't have the word, the um, same power as the N-word. Does that make yeah, sense? Exactly. No, so, no. And, and, that, and that's what my mum's installed into me, like, that, and that's what I always used to hear and see because I grew up listening to R&B and hip hop and you heard it a lot. 
growing up. So, and it was it wasn't from a, it wasn't from um, British people like you heard the N word. Like growing no, up in the right, late nineties yeah. and early noughties, you didn't hear it. But it's like now you do as like in grime and stuff. You you hear it now, so yeah. it's just like uh. yeah, and, and that's that, the negative for me. You yeah, know, it's hey. funny that you that you all have this this heightened sensitivity of the word because um, the N word is as American as apple pie. It started in America, I believe. I believe it came from America, so it's it, it's kind of it's very interesting to say the least that you all feel the same way that a lot of black Americans do. And I don't say the word either, but a lot of people do. Even, um, and I hate it, a lot of Hispanic people in the United States say oh. the word a lot. And... Yeah. It, unless, you're, unless you're, you know, uh, afro Latinx, you should not be using the N-word. Simple as that, isn't it, really? Exactly. But then it's like, if you watch Wellstar Hip Hop fights and stuff, you see white people calling white people the N word, and it's just like, what? Yeah. Like, when did it? Like, literally, I'm like, when the fuck did it come? To, sorry for my language. Like, when the hell did it come to this? Like, how come this all right? And then, and sometimes you would see black people in the video, and it doesn't. They don't even flinch, and I'm like, what the hell? But just just come back to that point. You know, the N word isn't specifically an American thing. You know. That word, you know, you had but you had British colonizers, so did we in the Caribbean. Mm. They were using the N word. Yeah. yeah. So it's, but I think I'm with Kyle in that my relationship to that that word is being called it as a child. Yeah. So for me, yeah, if it's in a song, fine. If people are throwing it out on the street, and as Kyle says, is that. What happens is, is then people who aren't black join in, and you're like, hold on a second, yeah. And in London in particular, you know, sometimes yeah, you'll see a bunch of kids, and it's like, you know, you see like white kids with their black friends, and, and the N-word's being thrown about, and you're like, it, it kind of makes me cringe. It, it's not <laughs> thing I'm comfortable with at all, to be honest. Like, and I would use it, yeah. I have to say that one of the things I heard about about um, Black Brits from Black Americans is that there is some kind of superiority thing. Even I have witnessed myself firsthand where Black people in America talk about Black culture, like our culture, and then someone, then a Black Brit says, what culture do you guys have? And then we have to explain to them, like, you know, R&B, soul, the slang that everyone uses worldwide, that's black culture. Do yeah. You, do you guys see that some of you said some black Brits may have some kind of superiority because you guys do have a link to the Caribbean or to Africa, but you guys might not see our culture that we made. We made it ourselves in America, but because white people in America, Touched they feel our culture and they make yeah. it American culture, you guys don't think we have our own culture, but this is really is our culture. Is there any truth to what I just said? The, I, that's very true. I think personally, I see everything that everybody else is doing now is Black American culture, and the only reason why it's popular because it's like I'm not saying Black people are selling it to white people, but it's like. I see 
like for instance, black Twitter is mostly like Americans that are is black Twitter like makes things popping and everything because you lot have like a big you have most of you lot have like a big following and you yeah. lot could say something or like you could have a picture for instance memes you can have a picture and that meme from a a really popular person will become big and then white people will put their hands on it and it will become a big thing does that make sense like for instance i would only follow supposing i'm just only following black people from around the world but it's only the black americans that's making this thing pop and then someone like a white celebrity gets a hold of it that's when the whole world starts to be like oh well yeah this is a big thing now so ugh. yeah and that's, I know, that's, that's, I that's what happens mean. with like the braids that's what happens with the the music that's what happens with the the style the the language you know so i think yeah i think the issue with is that people sometimes mistakenly think that black americans have no culture is because black american culture is basically a massive part of american culture so when mm. it's packaged and sold to us we're like oh yeah it's come from america yeah but so much of that not only did it come from black americans some of it started by LGBT black Americans, yeah? Yeah, that's, that's, that's another that's another part that we, yeah, but, we but don't seem to acknowledge. Raised, yeah? And then all of a sudden, you get Guardian, white Guardian writers in the UK, you know, the Guardian newspaper, going, oh yeah, he's, you know, he's throwing shade. And it's like, well, where did no. that come from, yeah? But... Yeah, gay Americans. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah? Um, you know... You know, a lot of that could be like black trans women, you know, and but that bit's erased. So when it reaches us, it's sanitized. It's like, oh well, this is what the Americans are, are doing, and of course we pick it up because of global communications, where the way they are these days. But you know, people forget a lot, that a lot of that stuff comes from Black America, and as, as as you said, you know, Black Americans because of Jim Crow, because of segregation, were excluded from white cultural. Um, you know, uh, culture and so on, and 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 the arts. So you made your own, yeah. Mm. And and you know, and that forced creativity, and it's absolutely. Amazing. I mean, I grew up on American R and B. Yeah, I didn't even listen to Caribbean music. It was all about American R and B music. Even though I grew up in a very white area, it was all about you know listening to Whitney and Luther Vandross and. Alexander O'Neill and Prince, you know, and Michael Jackson, you know, and you know, Janet Jackson. Those were the artists where I was at. Yeah. But it's become so mainstream now is that all this has been packaged and soul music. You know, I use the example that I read an article about, he was talking about the state of soul music and it had no black artists in it. How did that happen? Yeah. So I think sometimes, because by the time it reaches us, it's been through the mill. It's been from, you know, it's, it's come from LGBT black Americans through, you know, straight black Americans in through white Americans. By the time it's reached us, we've forgotten. We don't know about the fact that this is black American culture. That's where it's come mm. from. And I think sometimes people mistake that and say, oh, black Americans don't really have much culture, which is nonsense, right? 
if you define a culture, you would say, well, you know, what defines a culture? You have your own artistry, you know, you have your own language, and obviously people look down. Style. Yeah, you have your own food. Oh, you know, yes. you know, yeah, you know, that is a culture. But then, it's, then okay, so saying that, yeah, is like, so, um, what do you look, what did you look think about the, um, Azita Banks when she went on that the radio station and it says that it's cultural smudging because it's like as soon as white people put their hands on it it smudged out the originators what? am I making sense? yeah I, th- I think that's the danger is that in time immemorial people are excited by black creativity yeah but when you package that black creativity and take away the black people it sells better we know that for a fact this has been going on for exactly. decades. Exactly. That's why it surprised me so much what? that I don't know. I know the song didn't do well in the UK, but Rihanna's "Love on the Brain" did really well in America on pop radio, specifically. And I was surprised by that because black people singing pop song, I mean, like soulful songs like "Love on the Brain" is like, like not even heard of right now. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's all about Adele and Sam Smith and... Uh, and, and let's face it, right? You know, I can distinctly remember, obviously I'm a bit older than you guys, but I can distinctly remember, you know, back in, in that era, back in the 80s, whatever, and, you know, people like Whitney and Michael Jackson, they weren't necessarily, you know, the white press didn't necessarily say they were great, you know, or give them brilliant reviews. You know, it was kind of you know, that artistry was expected. But as soon as a white person shows similar artistry, it was like, oh my God, they're amazing. And that's going on, yeah. that's going on to this day. You know, Adele's great, but, you know, she's an okay singer. Sam Smith is not much cop at all, as far as I'm concerned. They, <laughs> oh my God, there's so, much, there's so much black male singers. I'm sorry, I have to say this. There's so much black male singers out there that can do what... Sam Smith does, but and didn't get the training. Like when yeah. when he when it came out when his mum spent a million on his fucking vocal coaching. <laughs> what the did. fuck? Yeah, a How million. And then the black artists are fucking struggling and everything. But they go church and oh, it's not even that. They ha- they sing at home all the time or they go church and they have that. I would say church in church choirs they have like. Um, breathing exercises so that's kind of a training but it's not like a paid training where they go deep no. into stuff and and I'm like how the fuck can you think this guy is talented like because he's doing certain runs and you've been hearing these runs since you was a kid as a black person you've been hearing these runs from black men and women yeah. for, for years but it's a new thing yeah I think you know it's, exactly it that. really irritates me yeah, and, and if I think that's singing. Yeah, yeah. Basically, American soul singing has become pop singing. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, back in the eighties, you'd have like Madonna or you know these artists. They had, you know, they had pop voices. You know, they just sing the melody. Yeah. Now, when you turn on X Factor, it is American soul singing. Yeah, you've got from these- white people. Yeah, from white, you've got these white kids doing all these gospel runs, well, or what they think are gospel runs. And I, I think, again, it's, it's that <laughs> it from the source. 
you've got these people that trained and sang in church, yeah? Mm. And then you've got artists that learn from them, you know, like the next generation down, say like Christina Aguilera or so on. And then mm. you've got British people copying, you know, the people that learn. So it's like kind of like three degrees of separation. These are not people that learn their craft in church. They've learned it like secondhand or, or off a of like how to do a gospel run. And that's black American culture. But no, yeah. they are not. I mean, look, as an example, uh, Amy, you know, uh, poor Amy Winehouse, you know, she was obviously, she was singing the blues, wasn't she? Um, you know, it's, it's basically American soul music. She mm. adopted a 60s aesthetic. Um, but all the record companies, they wanted a new Amy Winehouse, right? And what they found was Adele and about four other artists who um, probably disappeared by now, but basically they were not looking for black artists. They were looking it wasn't. for black artists. But then look at Jesse J. Jesse J. I remember I followed Jesse J as a kid, and I know that for a mm. fucking fact it was her because I remember her name as Jessica Cornish or whatever it was. Yeah. And that's her real name. She did this thing on Don't Trick a, Don't Trigger campaign, and I used to copy her runs, not her runs, but like her um yeah, her run, like her long, loud runs. And my friend was like, you can do it, blah, blah, blah. I was like, of course I can do it. But I, I used to go, I go church. So when she came out with this new persona, Jessie J, I didn't know it was her, if that made sense, until I looked mm. her up. And I saw the same videos that I saw like, when she was singing um, Christine Aguilera, Beautiful. All she was saying as a kid is that, oh, I look up to Pink and Christine Aguilera, this, that, that. But when she came out, as an artist, it was, oh, I listened to Kim Burrell, Brandy, and I'm like, bitch, you liar, because it's on YouTube right about now, and it's, mm. you know, you caught yourself out, and people won't see that, and I'm like, yeah. this girl, she taught herself how to sing, if that makes sense, a natural singer, well, like, she was, loud. like, she taught her, like, how do I say this, yeah, she taught herself how to be, like, you know, like, loud singing, Yes, I, I agree. That's, that loud singing, like, is, is it a thing that she taught? Like, she didn't have that naturally. She was taught how to sing because her parents yeah. are paying for vocaling co coaches and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of, yeah, we're probably going to have to complicate it, but you know, she, she doesn't have a nice tone. She's learned that how to. Sing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not natural. I'm saying that it's no, not, not natural. But going back to the point is that the whole point is, is that when you turn on the X Factor, if somebody turned up and sang like Madonna or Cindy Lauper did back in the 80s, they'd they get rejected, yeah? Now, mm. you basically have to turn up and you have to belt it like an American soul singer. And we have completely forgotten that, we, you know, that, that, that American, black American soul singing is now pop singing, yeah? And we have... But they won't give people like Fantasia that big break because Fantasia is a fucking disgusting vocalist. Her, right. her vocals are just... <laughs> but if a white woman was to sing like her, she would be bigger than Adele right about now. Yeah. And I, I, I think, yeah, I think that is the whole thing. It's going back, you know, it goes back to before Elvis, is that people mm -hmm. love the creativity of black culture, but they relate to it more when there's a white person singing it, and they think it is more impressive when a white person sings it. And that, and that is why our charts, when you look at our charts now, and you're like, 
So, where are the black soul singers on this chart? Mm-hmm. And they're like, hmm. And they put like people like Ed Sheeran. I'm like, wait, he's his voice is subtle. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like, you know, even I'm 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 really trying to think at the moment who is singing R and B and doing well on the charts. I think even M- Emily Sunday is not doing very well with her latest album, is she? So it's kind mm. of who's left. It's kind of it, the whole thing has been and. And yeah, you know, the music industry has faced big struggles, you know, they, they they can't afford to have a separate, you know, black music department these days because no one's buying CDs anymore. They made a fortune out of CDs in those days. Now it's all getting a few P here and there from streaming and so on. But yeah, you know, that's just where we are. It's kind of, it, it, it's, it's really taken over the fact that you package that culture, you put a white face on it and then it sells. And then we forget, especially the British people, when you remove from it, we forget where it all actually came from in the beginning. Now, I wanted to ask this question because um, I guess she's a black British woman, but she's of African descent. She went on a, she created a thread about um, African-American people, kind of bashing them. And one of the things that she said was, she said that non-American black people are forced to adhere to a standard of blackness that is wholly American, so we get called not black enough. Is that true? I don't think I can you know, relate to that, really. Yeah. Okay. Um, because, yeah, on the one hand, a lot of the culture we see, even in the UK, a lot of black culture is um, American. Yeah. But also, you know, probably you don't see it as much, but maybe Cal know a bit more about this than I do because I'm still into my R&B. But, you know, you've got these grime artists coming up. You know, they are doing something which is specifically British, yeah? And, you know, they are making waves and, and so on. And um, for us, I, I don't think it's a thing about, oh, yeah, you know, we don't meet the American kind of, Definition is that what you're saying? The definition of blackness is kind of American, and you know, I, I think that we uh, have sort of a, a bit of a different identity. There is that you know, we are British, you know, we are black British, but also we have this um, African or Caribbean you know, heritage a lot of the time, uh, and it's kind of all, all mixed up. And I think it's a slightly different concoction, but I don't think. You meet anybody that say, "Oh yeah, I'm not." You know, I don't meet the standards of, of, of blackness. I think sometimes if we go back to our our islands and, and we say, "Oh hello, Barbados," I mean, you know, I'm Asian, and they'll go, "What? No, you're not." <laughs> I mean, mm. Sometimes that's a bit of a that's a bit. Uh, people get upset about that. Is that you know you've got two Jamaican parents? You go to Jamaica, and they and they and they say, "Oh, who's this British person?" You know. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because you have a different accent. Yeah. And and you and you and yeah, come on, you know, for better or worse, you know, we grew up here. Of course, we're going to have a slightly different. You know, we've got the accent, we've got a, a, a bit of a different outlook uh, on things. Uh, of course, you know. So no, no, I don't. I don't kind of relate to that really. And I also feel, I feel like there's a double standard when it comes to. Um, African Americans, because because we are so you know hyper visible, you know everyone partakes in African American culture, 
but when a African person may wear a daishiki or um, like Drake and his, um, even though I know he's not American, you know, he does his whole Caribbean thing, people want to, you know, call out the fact that African Americans are cultural appropriating from African and Caribbean cultures, but no one really, black black people here, we're not really calling no one else out for um, doing black, you know, black American stuff. Do you guys think that there, there is a cultural, that there's, there's like a double standard? But I feel like a lot mm. of you all think that hyper hyper visibility is a privilege but it's really a, a curse in a way because everyone partakes in our culture but everyone hates us the hispanics the asians the white people they love that our culture but they hate us kind of thing like that's why people like bruno mars because we all talk about Adele and Sam Smith, but also Bruno Mars is not black too, and he's cultural appropriating from black people too. But do you think there is a double standard when it comes to that? Yeah, there is. Well, personally, for me, I would say like he's meowing the black culture. So um, I don't know what else to say because I always say I say you see me tweet about it all the time. I do not leave out anybody if a white person's doing it. Like, for instance, Drake. All of a sudden, you're doing this Jamaican... Fair enough, your dad's quote-unquote Jamaican, but all of a sudden you're doing this Jamaican stuff and it really irritates me. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem authentic, like, when he's... Fair enough. You can make, like, two or... One or two songs that's... Caribbean influence, but when you're doing it like in multiple songs, it's like you're trying to like it's like you're trying to it's not smudge us out. It's, it's, it's like ugh. it's like he's trying to take over. Does that make sense? But then he's not giving the right props. Like for instance, he's on pop. He's taken popcorn song, popcorn song, and didn't put him on the album. Like, he did it twice. He did it for views, and in this second album, he's done it twice. What are you doing? So what's that message? What are you doing with that message that you're doing? Like, people, people, your fans are not going to see it because they're going to be biased to you because they like you. But people who listen to music and listen and see certain... um, What's the word for that? Like, see certain things when certain things are happening, like... They're gonna see that. They're gonna be like, "Oh, wait, you did the same thing that you did on the last album. What are you trying to do? Like, what is that? What is that message you're sending?" Right. So, I don't know. Like, I, I call out everybody on their bullshit. So I don't <laughs> like. You cannot, and I expect people to do it to, to do it to me. If I'm being a hypocrite or doing some like that's how I that's how I am. So if he's he's being an idiot. Personally, to me, so I like people. He's being an idiot. You see, I think there's a difference between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation. So, is Drake? Is he not giving credit to Jamaica? He's not. He's he's saying stuff like, "Oh, I have a lot of friends in Jamaica, and blah blah blah." That's where my influence is from. But if that's the case, your so-called friend is a business as well. We've got to remember this too. 
But if that's the case, why did you take off popcorn off his songs? I know that you paid him. You have to. But it's like it's like he doesn't want people like it's like he doesn't want his fans to it's weird because look what he did with Skepta a grime artist from over here he's been underneath Skepta's ass before when before views came out he was underneath him underneath him underneath him and all of a sudden the, the album dropped and everybody's like where the fuck was Skepta you're always with Skepta. You're always over England. You're always in Birmingham and blah, blah, blah. Like you're always here. And you're always posting videos and snippets and what this... Where's that song with Skepta? And then all of a sudden there's a song... I don't know if there's a song on... I don't know. Apparently there's a song on um, his new album with Skepta. And now Gigs. Right. So does that same... So where's that same... Loyal, is, is loyalty, is that, is that the word? Where's that same loyalty when it comes to popcorn? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Because you're taking a culture, pulling it into your song, and then bringing everybody on that quote-unquote wave, but then you're leaving out that person who gave you the influence. Oh. Not a lot of people look into music. They listen to music. They don't look into it. Okay. And then that's that's my perspective of it, but I'm not gonna. I might be reaching, but that's how I see it because I was just like, ugh, he's doing the mouse. That's what I think. So, okay, I did want to talk to you guys about the increase of racism because there has been there was a study done and published by B, by BBC that um, racism is on the rise, and in one third of British people have actually admitted that they have some um, racist views. Why is racism ri- rising in the UK? Like, what's going on there? Well, it's uh, pretty much why it's r- rife in America, isn't it? <laughs> it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ex- exactly the, the same reasons, you know, is that, you know, our history, there are certain parallels with American history. You know, we were, especially, you know, if you're Afro-Caribbean and you're black, you are descended from slaves. I'm descended from slaves, so is Kyle. Mm. Even if you're from, you know, Nigeria, um, you know, or another African country, you probably faced some colonization. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at the root of that is the notion that black people are inferior now i think you know with uh with the uk up until about you know um the 50s the uk was pretty much 99 percent white yeah Mm -hmm. whereas african-americans of course were living on the same land as (laughs) as you know the white people who who held, held these racist views and then in the 50s and 60s, we had, you know, the major migration from the Caribbean, you know, and then latterly a, a lot more from, from Africa. And, you know, and also, you know, the biggest, you know, ethnic minority in the UK is, you know, South Asian, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan. And, um, you know, this has obviously brought a, you know, a, a cultural shift to Britain, which is basically, you know, people of colour were over there somewhere. Yeah. And all of a sudden, 
we were living in the UK because they needed us. It's simple as, you know, we weren't, you know, there wasn't a call out to the Caribbean for, for you know, nurses and people working on um, transport or, you know, for the goodness of their heart. They needed people. They had a labour shortage. So when they needed us, they called on us. Um, but, you know, these racist attitudes, you know, they persevered down the centuries and uh, you know and i think a lot of our a lot of my elders you know they they had to fight you know and, and in some instances literally you know they they had, they had to fight skinheads because skinheads didn't want us here they wanted us to go home you know? yeah that's another i wanted to talk about that like from what i've seen in america americans have been quote-unquote peaceful or this is what I've seen but I don't know if there's any history of like fighting back only the Black Panthers does that make sense but with us Caribbeans we were like literally fighting like there's stories that my uncles like my granddad's brothers and cousins used to tell us that they used to beat the shit out of um, white people does that make sense because they were attacked yeah but over in America I I don't see I don't hear sorry what what Marcus has said, you know, the same reason that racism is rising in the UK and America, but I actually think that racism rose a lot after Barack Obama was elected because mm-hmm. white people felt like they were losing power, they were losing control of the country because a black man was the president of, of the United States and Donald Trump is president because Barack Obama was president. There was literally a backlash because white America, middle class America, poor working class America thought that they were losing the country to black people. And as far as my knowledge, you guys haven't really had a black prime minister. So, you know, for me to see and research, you know, what's going on in the UK, it seems like, to me, it's out of nowhere. Like, I don't see anything major that has happened. Maybe I heard that there's been a lot of um, immigration lately in the UK with, like, the Polish and the Muslims. So maybe that's causing white fear and white backlash. Do you guys get what I'm saying? You know, for me... You know, the racism has not gone away. It's never gone away. It's always been in the background, yeah? I think some people will say that, who've experienced, lived in America and here, will tell you the British racism is a little bit more subtle. Um, so, for instance, you will get people who will consider themselves liberal, they're white, they're liberal, they'll say, oh, I haven't got racism, it's only in my body, yeah? And, you know... They run a business and they're employing all white people. Well, how the hell? Did, and, and they live in London. Well, how the hell did mm. that happen? Right. So they'll tell you they're not racist, but okay. So you, but you won't give a person of color a job, and you know, and that is if you look through our media, it is so white. All their offices are based in London, and you know, you rarely see a black or, or Asian face. And it's kind of that like nobody's racist, but their racism exists, right? We had that in the past. I think what's happened over the past few years is that there has been a bit of a backlash, and it's not from having a black president. 
or, or prime minister, as we would have, it is more, as you say, is that basically migrants have been made the scapegoat for a lot of problems in the UK. Yeah. And, and it, it's divide and rule. So, you know, what are, you know, ruling classes, to use that phrase, they don't want the white working class to feel solidarity with working class people of colour and, you know, and a higher percentage of people of colour are working class, yeah? They want, you know, it's a divide and rule tactic, which Britain is so great at doing, they've done it for centuries, is that, right, okay, so we're having issues with our NHS, our National Health Service. What's the problem? Oh, it's all these migrants coming in and using our service. Yeah, and And we can't get seen... Yeah, and we can't get because of all these immigrants that have come. It's like, hold on a second, these migrants have been here for years and they have been paying taxes. Why haven't you invested that in the service, right? But you don't hear that story. All you hear is is the negative aspects of migration. And I think this has emboldened people to think that they can actually come out. And it's been aided and abetted by a very right-wing press. So... In, in in the US, you have, like, Fox News, yeah? Our TV stations have to be impartial. Where it gets really toxic is our newspapers, like The Sun and The, and the Daily Mail. Yeah. And they have been spewing out anti-migrant. You mentioned the Polish. As soon as the Polish were allowed to come to the UK 10 or so years ago, they were like, oh, we're going to get millions of Polish people, etc., etc. It's basically given a lot of white British people are kind of us versus them kind of attitude. And I think it's emboldened them. And what's happened is, is because politics has just shifted right, yeah? So so we had, you know, the the UKIP campaigning for, for independence from Europe, which we, we, we've now signed today, yeah? And, you know, a lot of those parties were scared and, and they saw UKIP getting the vote, so the Tories kind of shifted to the right. And then we saw Labour doing, you know, this is meant to be the left-wing party, you know, similar to your Democrats, always talking about migration as though it was a problem. Yeah. So, so the whole thing is just shifted rightwards, and it's kind of like, you know, I think some people feel emboldened to just come out and say, oh, yeah, migrants were a problem. And as you, as you said, since the vote to leave the EU, there's been more attacks on the street and... You know, there's this whole thing, you know, you talk about whiteness in America. I think whiteness and Britishness, you know, a lot of people see that as connected. And now they're kind of like, well, even Polish people are kind of, well, obviously they're still, you know, a lot, unless you're a Polish person of colour, uh, you, you know, you're still white, but you're not one of us kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I, and I think there's definitely been, and we've seen the shift in other countries as well, is that this whole shift rightwards, it, you know, it's emboldened people, you know. Like I said, you know, my parents' generation, in that generation, they fought for anti-racism. They fought for laws so we wouldn't be discriminated against, yeah? And now I think people have, like, kind of forgotten that fight and it's kind of, you know, it's socially unacceptable to be ra- overtly racist, especially if you're, you know, um, in your, especially in middle-class circles. But like I said... On the one hand, you're not racist. On the other hand, you don't give black people jobs. So, mm. so which is it? So, it's it's not a backlash to a particular yeah president. It's more this whole shift rightwards. And I think yeah, 
a lot of the time people do feel attacked. And I think Brexit has come about and there was a guy on TV and he said, why have you voted to leave the EU? And he says, because I'm tired of seeing all these Muslims about. Right? Which is nothing to do with the EU. But he, yeah. but he saw the fact that he connected migration from the EU, which is majority white people, to seeing brown people and black people, you know, on the bus or on the high street. And yeah. people feel attacked. And, you know, we we have similar situations in the US where there is white flight. Yeah? You know, around London, you have Kent and Essex, people that used to live in um, in in you know the inner city in London in the East End moved out to Kent and Essex and you know they're very you know kind of white areas and people say oh yeah you know it's kind of a working class thing well it's not the middle classes are guilty of it as well because they have kids they're kind of like oh I don't want my kids going to school with you know oh I want them to go to a good country school they use euphemisms basically they want their, they want their kids to go to school with other white children yeah. yeah. So it's, I, I think, unfortunately, there has been a shift and it, it, it's extremely unpleasant, but the racism has always been there. But what we've got, what we're seeing now is some people feel emboldened, it's more overt, and people who call themselves liberal feel that they should, you know, they should support this racism and say, oh, you know, oh, well, you know, these people are racist because you know they're working class and it's like excuse me you know my grandparents were white working class you know they weren't racist they went through mm. World War II <laughs> what's their excuse so I have very 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 little sympathy for people you know I think in the phrase you use in the US is they're economically challenged or something isn't it I don't care there's no excuse for it and but I think people as you say there's been a backlash People feel emboldened. It's really sad. Is it? Is it? It must be a thing of like a um, a white supremacy thing. Why they it feels like oh my god they're messing with our white supremacy. Not saying that they're saying that, but like internally they're like oh my god they're they're messing with our white privilege. Supposing that like, I can't get this, yeah. do this and do that when black people. I would say brown people are in power. That's what it, that's what it looks like to me. But like I, as I said, I don't really. I read sometimes because I'm not really into like. But when it comes to race and everything, I see these stuff. I have to read it because I'm like, okay, cool. Let me read this so I know what I'm doing. Because like me, I oh, I hate I hate saying this, but like I'm dyslexic, so I literally have to listen sometimes. Mm. to get the point because i can read it but it would just go in one it would just stay in my head and i wouldn't it wouldn't even stay in my head it would go out of my head because something else would pick up that i feel it's interesting but like i'm not interested in it so and i don't know like, i try to be in the know but when you see the brexit stuff like for instance i didn't vote for brexit and people were yelling at me like people from vote leave and vote to stay in that's like why didn't you vote and I was like because I don't understand what we're doing right about now I don't really care like I need to I'm thinking like I need to get my I need to get my life back on point like does that make sense like, I didn't really care but then people from Sassane staying they're like oh 
oh, everything that's imported is going to be expensive and this, that, that, blah, blah, blah. And then people who were saying leave us that, oh, it's going to get rid of the Polish people at work and stuff because they're all taking like our jobs and stuff. I remember seeing one girl, some interviewer asked her, she was a, like, you know, like a chubby rundown girl. She's, he was like, oh, have you applied for jobs? And she's like, no. And he's like, why? And he's like, because I know I'm not going to get it because the um, Muslims are going to take it. So I was just like, you know what? This thing, like what they were doing on TV and the newspapers, they were just pushing this agenda of, as Marco said, of immigrants. They wasn't, ex- they wasn't explaining the benefits of us leaving the EU. It was just yeah, immigrants, 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 immigrants. And I was just like, oh, I really can't deal with this bull. Are, there, so, any benefits? Are there any benefits to it? To, to immigration? No, no, to the um, leaving the EU. Leaving, the leaving the, um, the Brexit. Well, I, I, I honestly can't think of any. Okay. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm not saying the EU was a perfect institution, right? Mm. Yeah, okay. You know, if if you look at the EU's record and you know, looking looking after, you know, minority groups or refugees, you know, crossing the boats, if you read up about that, the EU was by no means perfect. But what the EU did was it gave us a sense of something beyond just being British. We were part of Europe, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it had that exchange of people. Obviously, in London, there's loads of EU nationals in, in London. You go to my office, there's, there's quite a few. And, you know, we were... We're not on mainland Europe. We're an island off it. But it gave us kind of, you know, a sense of we're part of something. Um, but now what we've got is... What we've got coming is a very insular nationalism. Yeah? And people will be thinking, and going back to what we're saying about the whole idea of empire, people think that you know that Britain will somehow emerge from this and rule the waves again, as the song goes, and that's not going to happen. And you know they're going to have to find another way for us to to uh, to achieve prosperity. And they're talking about talking, turning us into a tax haven, you know. And so it's kind of a ludicrous. Situation as far as I'm concerned, and I'm, I'm trying to think: is there a benefit? Um, I'm really struggling with that, and that, to be honest, you know, even at a very basic level, the people that voted to leave are going to be the most affected by it. You know, they went to working class communities in Wales that received millions of pounds of EU funding for their leisure centre, for their bypass, and the people there. Wow. Yeah, there's a big EU logo on on the side outside the legislature. Center. That that is is so similar to what happened here with the Trump. Yeah, a lot of the white working class people who voted for Trump is biting them in the ass right now. It, they didn't vote in their best interest. Yeah, it's the same as I think, and it just really proves to me that white supremacy is a global system and. It operates pretty much the same way, almost the same way. There's like there's some differences in how they, how it works, but it's pretty much racism is pretty much the same wherever you go. It causes very similar 
um, reactions in people. Mm, totally. I mean, obviously there are, there are subtle differences by by country, but you know, if you know, you talk to people in France, for example, you, you know, you talk to French um, people of color there or black people about the racism in France, and you know, it's subtly different in France. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's still the same thing. I mean, you know, they've got this big thing now about you know the rise of the far right. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't think Marine Le Pen is is going to win the presidency, but you know, she, you know, she's been given airtime. You know, she's finding a, a voice, and it's it, it, you know, it's really disturbing. Um, yeah. You know, they didn't think Trump was going to win until the very end. It was always Hillary was going to win. He. Yeah. His win was really unexpected. Yeah, it, it shocked. It shocked the world. You know, it, it shocked me. I woke up in the morning, and and like, yeah, the first thing I saw was Hillary's um, team look look devastated as results come in, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> and. It's not, you know, I, I feel, obviously, you know, I have friends in the US and people I know just on social media. It's like, you know, what the hell does this mean? And I think we're already seeing what it means, aren't we? Is that we have somebody who is clearly not competent to be president, yeah? Who is extremely right-wing and is, you know, and, and has filled the White House with people who are practically neo-Nazis running the country. Mm. You know, and, and, and we have a similar issue in that we have a government which is extremely right wing and is really implementing policies that is detrimental to, you know, minority groups. So if you look at a whole asylum policy in the UK, you know, people were sneering at Donald Trump building his wall, right? But yeah. you know, we, we have charter flights sending asylum seekers home. You know, and and they they've sought asylum because they're gay and they've been threatened with murder, and we're sitting mm. home saying, "Oh, just hide it, just pretend you're straight." You know, and that's you know that's a very basic you know some of the situation, but you know, we look at the US and go, "Oh my God, what's going on?" But in a lot of respects, we're not doing any better. You know, I was going to ask you, do. The right wing and the left wings of both countries, do they um do they have sympathy for each other? Like do the people who are, you know, voting to like Brexit, do, do they support Trump? Do liberals yeah. here do they support liberals in America? Like how does that work? Okay, from my perspective and what I've seen, um I've encountered like Donald Trump or Trump supporters and Brexit supporters, like, literally attacking me. They're like, oh, look at this liberal, liberal, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm neither. Like, I don't even care. I just think he's a dick. Like, you know, when you're just talking about Donald, I was just like, I think he's a dick. But then I had these two groups that are the same attack me. And I'm like, your mum's a bitch. So, like, nothing faces me. So, I think, personally for me they do agree on some level like they kind of like have each other's back yeah because it's funny because i've also heard that you know people in other countries they tend to say shame on the usa when they're doing very similar things 
So it's exactly. interesting. So it's interesting to hear that you know they that the sides have sympathy for each other, like they support each other, basically. But yeah, that's just online. Yeah, I, I think there's a definite crossover in the you know if you are liberal here, you're probably you know you you know you're rooting for 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 Hillary. Um, but yeah, you're right. Is sometimes we look to America and we laugh. But if you, if you look at the people running the, the UK right now, there are a lot of people that were extremely privileged that went to Eton, went to private school, went to Oxford, and have suddenly landed a job as a cabinet minister. And they're just not up to it. And it's incompetent people. There's so much incompetence that sailed to the top just through sheer privilege. And that's how Donald Trump got there, isn't it? He's, you know, he, he inherited a lot of his money. You know, he is clearly mm. not competent for that role. And there he is. Um, but then... Yeah. No, I'm thinking, like, do, does money have to do anything with this? Is it because, like, Personally, for me, I don't understand how he even got there. Like, I mean, I don't even know, how, like, how did the fuck did he win? Does that make I, sense? Well, here, he played to the fear of the white people who felt like they were losing America because they saw all this LGBT progress. You know, we had a black president. All these laws were, were getting passed. And he really played to the, the, the racist fears of white people. That's how he ended up winning, white people. And I honestly feel like um, I always say that white women, you know, they're very sneaky and underhanded. So <laughs> they went out and voted for him, too, when they were think they were saying, because it's funny because people were saying that they were going to vote for Hillary, but then behind the polls, they voted for Trump. So there was a lot of secret Trump supporters and white women show out big for Trump, even though he's very sexist and he's making all these sexist laws against women, but they still vote for him. I think that's very, very interesting in that uh, yesterday I, I saw a, I think somebody tweeted out an article, I think it was Glenn Greenwood actually, he was saying, well actually, if you look at it, it says, the majority of Trump voters were women or people of colour. And I was, hold on a second. <laughs> people of colour did not vote for Trump. Yeah, White women did. Majority vote for Trump. And it's kind of like trying to... I felt it was kind of trying to absolve people of that responsibility. The fact that the people that voted for Trump were white people, right? Mm. Let, you know, let's get that straight, yeah? Um, if you look, I think there was a breakdown of the Brexit vote, yeah? And it was 51-48, wasn't it, Brexit? Um, if you look at um, Something like that. black people who voted, who voted, it was 73% voted Remain, Yeah. So you mm. are clearly seeing these differences between the demographic groups here. There's massive, massive differences. Yeah. And I think you're right, is that I think some of that is a fear and a backlash. People are seeing people fighting for their rights, 
minority groups, be it ethnic minorities or LGBT, and they say see people fighting for rights, you know, to be equal to what they have is kind of an affront. It's kind of yeah, it's it's an attack. It, it's it's very very strange. I I don't understand it. I really don't. But that has played out on both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. And then here, you know, we have black Trump supporters, we have LGBT Trump supporters. So the whole thing is crazy. How Okay, I don't understand that though. Like how could <laughs> I don't Dude, understand it either. I, I, like, I don't mean to talk about this because I keep on saying this because I know it's a touchy subject, but I don't are those people people mentally disturbed? Because <laughs> what are you missing? from what Trump has quote unquote spewed. Like what has, what are you missing from what he said? Because how do you support him? I don't like, know. Uh, you know, I've recently I watched a video by someone in the LGBTQ community and they said that if you don't agree with the majority of the community, they make you seem like, you know, you're not a part of the, you know, community. So, you know, I don't it, it kind of made me, you know, you know, not want to too too much criticize people who don't think exactly like me. But it's obvious that one side is better for you than the other side. So just I don't understand it either why they would do something like that. Like it's well, crazy. For me, here's the thing: is that basically a lot of white LGBT people, in particular, put being white in front of their LGBT brothers and sisters who are people of colour. Exactly. You know, they mm. show where their solidarity lay, you know. You know, obviously LGBT groups, you have people of colour um, who are going to be affected by Trump's policies, you know, who, who may be undocumented, uh, who may be trans and are affected by uh, you know the, the order he signed with regards to bathroom, and, and I believe he's just now rolling back the clause that Obama put in for if you are going for a state contract, you can't discriminate against LGBT people. I believe that's now just been rolled back. So all this is being rolled back, and for me, for them, respectability and you know their whiteness that's their affiliation you know that's what they, they see lgbt as as being white whereas you know for for you know for me uh you know not you guys it's more about you know lgbt and my brothers and sisters whatever you know color or, or ethnicity they are and i think some people they just don't see that that you know their world is white that you know mm. That they don't, you know, if you're an LGBT person of color, that doesn't figure to them. That's sad, but you know, you know, that's in the way white it is. And, yeah, we have this conversation in in the UK about LGBT groups being white, and we've had big battles about diversity. And I think, I think, you know, I think we're seeing a, a little bit of a shift in that, you know, our publications like Attitude and so on are trying to put more people of colour into their issues and I think people are trying to be more inclusive and not have things like racist drag acts but you know I walked into a gay pub in Manchester and you know 
there was a drag act emceeing and she goes, oh, look who's walked in. Is it, is it Michael Jackson? And it was like, you know, it, it's just, it's not even a funny thing to say, is it? But I, mm. I was I was walking into a gay bar, which is meant to be a safe space for me, and somebody is making a gag that is related to the fact that I'm black. Yeah. yeah? So, and that is just some people's mindset. Um, I think when you call them that... out on it, you're being Sorry? sensitive. But when people, when you call them out on it, you're being sensitive. But when yeah, people you're being sensitive are, or you're being aggressive. Yeah. And, and and that is is that when you sort of discuss, you know, I think we have to be very careful about challenging racism. Is is that, you know, we have to not come across as aggressive when we're doing it. I mean, I've had to challenge it at work, and it's like, well, I don't think we should be saying that. And these are the reasons, because otherwise, you come across as an angry black person, don't you? Exactly. Um, but I in, in that same breath, you can't. It's like it's like you are not allowed to be angry when, but angry. Does that make sense? Like, well, you know, occasionally, to... I don't know about you, but occasionally I will say, not today, and I will get really angry, right? And, and this, this happens, like, every couple of years, I will absolutely go ballistic. But <laughs> I, I think, but we are taught that if you are the angry black person, you know, that phrase, chip on the shoulder, comes up, doesn't it, a lot? And you know, that is a thing. And, and you know, we talked earlier about, uh, you know, how being mixed face and how you're seen in the UK. It is amazing how quickly, you know, it, you are just seen, you, you are seen as an angry black person, right? You know, your white parents, your white parent is completely irrelevant, right? Yeah. It's back to one drop rule, yeah? As soon as you, you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, cute little mixed race kids. As soon as you assert and say, I am not putting up your racist shirt, you'll be surprised how the tune instantly changes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think we're going to wrap up here. But, you know, I have so much stuff written down. Like, I didn't even get to to you guys, your, your experience growing up being black and black mixed race in the USA. But I know it's really late in this, so I don't want to be too disrespectful. So I, I'm going to wrap up here, but I do want to ask if you guys might be willing to do a part two and address specifically being black and queer in the, in the United Kingdom. Um, but I do yeah. want to ask first. Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Um, but before we do wrap up, I do want to because, Marcus, I see you tweeting about Rachel Dolezal, and I was just retweeting the fuck out of your tweet, because I was like, <laughs> oh, so sick of Rachel. I, I, think I, hate, I think I hate her. I really do think that I hate her. Um, right. The way I would sum up that is, is she is getting airtime, right? She's getting all this airtime, and she's getting a book deal, and ironically... This is due to white privilege. White supremacy. Exactly. Black people cannot identify or choose to be white. You know, any stretch. Exactly. It doesn't, it wouldn't work both ways. If I woke up tomorrow and said, I want to be white and I put um, baby powder on my skin, like, I, I can't. 
They'll laugh yeah. me out of the, the country. Like, it wouldn't work for me. Yeah. It, as, as, as I said at the time, I know people who are mixed race and they have one black grandparent and three white grandparents, yeah? And they are excluded from being white because they don't look the part, yeah? Rachel Dolezal, she has no black ancestry whatsoever. And she can stroll in and say, I'm black. She can get airtime. She was on BBC Newsnight. That's why I got angry. I thought, why the hell is she on BBC News Newsnight? <laughs> yeah, we're paying for this with our license fee. Yeah, she's getting airtime on our flagship news program. Yeah, to talk about her experiences. As, as somebody said, how often does Newsnight give a black woman the opportunity to talk about her experiences and give her that exposure? It, you know, it's just an utter nonsense and the fact is cross the atlantic and yeah it's just, oh i got yeah i got very angry yesterday <laughs> and, and then you have a lot of sh straight black people mostly heterosexual black men who are using this as an excuse to um tr attack trans people basically yeah. they're saying oh well if you can accept caitlin jenner or laverne cox as being a woman, then why not accept racial? Um, because they're anti-black, they're stupid. Because they see as they see it as oh, I can. Uh, personally, for me, this is how I see like when black men do that stupid stuff. Like oh, I want light skin babies. You see how women always they always say black women say oh, I want baby with good hair and light skin features. I've never heard a black woman say that, but I've seen a black man's actions do that. Does that make sense? I, I've heard white. I've heard black women say that before. I have. I can't ask you. That's my. That's my personal. This is why I said I haven't. I haven't heard that. So, but when I see black men going, "Oh yeah, I don't want my child looking like me." Your child's gonna yeah. look like you. He's gonna have the fucking features. You idiot. It's just gonna be light skinned. Yeah, I, I, I think. Um, you know, as you say, I talk for another day, but. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I, 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 I did a, a tweet. I, I did a moment on Twitter about this actually. Is that I think people expect their mixed race children to solve all their problems, and all you know, at the end of the day, you are a person of color, you are a, a light skinned black person. You know, obviously, I'm talking about people who are black and mixed with white here. Um, and it doesn't solve any problems at all, it doesn't, and but people fetishize it and say, Oh, yeah, my, you know, my, my mixed bit babies and a lot of it does come from anti-blackness so a lot of it is just as i said in in the uk is proximity you know we live together so people are gonna obviously have children together but when you have people coming out i'm going to i am going to have mixed race babies because of xyz that's when you start to like roll your eyes a bit isn't it <laughs> exactly and then i do want to say that Still on Rachel because you know I talk about her. I hate her forever, but she sued Howard University, and it was only after that that she started this um mix this um because I think that she looks mixed like like she doesn't look black to me at all. But like when she is quote unquote a black woman, she still isn't black looking to me. She looks like a Turkish lady or like a, a bronze <laughs> Spanish woman. She doesn't look like. You know, she doesn't look mixed. I, I think that's neither. I think that's a discussion for another day. Is that, that we, we, you know, we have similar things going on here, and it's not about 
Rachel Dolezal or people pretending to be black. But what we do have is something called political blackness, right? Yeah. Which is basically is that back in these, you know, 60s and 70s, people of colour chose black as an identity. So you had people who are not um, African or Caribbean, so they're, they're South Asian, calling themselves black, yeah? So we have a thing where people are writing about black issues and they're not black, or they're teaching about black issues and, and they're not actually black. You, you know what I mean? And it's, you know, it reminds me of, of, of Rachel a bit in that you're allowing somebody who has not had that experience to actually, you know, you're giving them airtime, you're giving them jobs, you're giving them... So it, there's an interesting parallel there, I think. I agree. Uh, mm. it, was, uh, it was a great discussion. I can't wait for part two because I really want to get into you guys' backstories growing up, especially um, you, Marcus, because you said you were actually called the N-word growing up in the UK? Yes. So I definitely want to get into that, also into the queer as aspect, and compare and contrast, but this is um, Strange D, and I'm Mark, Marcus and Kyle, and we'll, we'll um, see you guys later with part two. Um, peace. Bye. Thank you. Bye.